Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Financial Wealth and Health Podcast. My name is Isabel Rothy, a financial advisor and certified financial planning professional at Desert Wealth Management. And it's my goal through this podcast to educate people all about the different aspects of personal finance. I specifically love working with families and retirees to help them work toward financial freedom and maximize time with their family. One of my favorite ways to share and explain different financial concepts is by explaining the similarity between financial wealth and financial health. I truly believe that in order to become financially wealthy and financially free, you need to be financially healthy first. Let's grow our financial wealth and health together. In today's podcast episode, we're concluding our series about making 2024 your most financially healthy year yet. I'll be discussing different daily and different yearly habits you can consider taking action on when you're looking at your own financial health journey. Now, as we know, living a financially healthy life is much easier said than done. And it's really built upon the small daily actions and the important yearly actions that you take um, that really control and maintain a healthy financial life. It can be very hard to live out these habits and uh, it usually takes a lot of discipline uh, in the short term, but in the long term, uh, it usually really pays off so much. A lot of living a financially healthy life is delayed gratification, saying no right now so that you're saying yes to something in the future. But living a financially healthy life is also about living in the moment, not being too restrictive or too caught up in preparing for the future that you lose sight of today. And that's what some of our previous podcast episodes have been about, balancing the future and the present at the same time. And I wanted to create this final episode in this series to discuss, especially in this new year, 2024, like I said, those habits that you can consider taking that can add over time to the health of your financial life. So let's dive into some of the daily habits and then we'll look at some of the annual habits you can um, think about taking this year in 2024 and onward. So the first daily habit um, that can make big changes down the road is remembering that every yes is a no and every no is a yes. This can really help you so much when you're spending day to day because we don't have an infinite pile of money. However, some of us have an infinite set of wants and desires, and we have to be conscious of everything we say yes to when it comes to spending money means we're saying no to something else because we can't purchase and buy every good and service available. It'd be nice if that was possible, but it's not possible. We have a certain amount of money to spend on a certain amount of things, and it's our decision to make to figure out what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. And that's why I encourage so many people, especially couples and young families kind of starting this wealth journey, is to really figure out that joy-based spending budget. 
what types of things do you want to spend your money on? Do you really want to spend money on eating out with your friends or going on dates with your significant other? Do you love spending money on clothes and accessories? Do you love spending money on makeup and skincare? Or do you like spending money on home remodeling projects and tools? Do you like to go on fun trips domestically or internationally? There's so many ways we can, of course, spend our money. And so it's important to focus on the items and the services that bring you joy when you're spending your money. Because if you're always spending your money on different items that don't line up with your values and where you find a lot of your joy and excitement in life, you're going to be feeling kind of deprived at the end of each month, at the end of each quarter, because you're not spending in line with your values. And so every yes is a no. It's important to say yes to the things that you truly want to spend your money on and say no to the things that you don't want to. Of course, we have to pay our bills and there's some types of expenses we have to pay for even though we may not fully want to. But when it comes to that true fun money of being able to spend your money on fun expenses remember every yes is a no and every no is a yes and it's okay to say no to something in order to say yes to something else that's also where this delayed gratification topic can come into play if you're really saving for something that you want to purchase a fun trip a new car whatever it is that'll mean you have to say no to other opportunities to spend money and it's okay to say no sometimes so just understand that and know that that big goal down the road may offer you so much more gratification than saying yes to all of the little things along the way. So that's the first habit that I want you to consider taking action on in the new year. The next type of habit is to remember that financial planning should be emotional, but investing should not be emotional. Now, how many times have you heard that there are emotional investors out there that make uh, investing mistakes because they buy and sell their investment at the wrong time based off emotion? It happens to so many people. And that's why a lot of my father and I's clients choose to work with financial advisors because they could depend on us, their financial advisors, as accountability partners. There's so many times where clients call us and they're worried about the market, they're worried about what's going on economically, and we give them the guidance of if they should stay in that investment or get out of that investment. So investing really should be a logical uh, type of action. It should not be emotion-based because emotions can make us make wrong decisions. But on the other side, I think that financial planning should be a little bit emotional because that's where you're trying to figure out how to work towards your life goals and your life is emotional it's valuable you put so much effort and time into working towards your goals I think it, it should be emotional it's okay to be emotional but when we're thinking about um, after the goal setting having very logical action steps taking a logical approach to the investing to work to, towards the goal. Have a logical approach to the tax planning, to the insurance planning. So when it comes to the goal-based part of financial planning, yes, that should be emotional because it matters and you want to put your emotion and your perseverance and your hard work into it. But the other aspects that are more analytical, those should take the logical approach. And so it's important to remember that when faced with different decisions every day, every week, every month, every year. And that's really where I like to step in and help people balance the emotion and the analytical thinking when it comes to their financial life. 
All right, the third daily habit I encourage you to consider taking is live within your means. This is something that people of all ages don't do. So many people live outside of their means and you don't have to live outside of your means. There are some times in life where maybe it's a lot of work to live within our means to try not to spend more than we make simply because life happens, emergency happens. Sometimes you'll have times in your life where your income is lower and it's really, really hard to live within your means sometimes. But if you're able to avoid that consumer debt and avoid some of the bad financial mistakes that you can make if you try to live outside of your means, it'll help you so much in the long run. And it builds confidence in yourself that you have the willpower and the discipline to manage your money in such a way that you're living within your means. Now, when we dive into this deeper, I think one of the biggest reasons people live outside of their means is because they're comparing themselves to others. And this is very obvious, but it's also very true. One of the reasons people overspend their money is they're trying to keep up with their friends or their family or that person online. And we have to really realize that, yes, it's nice to have good things. Yes, it's nice to be trendy and keep up with everything going on. But at the end of the day, it's so important to not compare yourself to the other people around you. Look up to people that inspire you. Look up to your role models. But when it comes to true comparison, you have to realize that you don't have that person's life. You have your life. You have your finances. You have your obligations. It doesn't matter what the person next to you is purchasing or what they're wearing or what car or house they have. What matters is where you're at right now where you want to be, what your current financial obligations are, what your future goals are, and how you are going to get there in your own life. You need to take a step back and stop comparing because if you let comparison take a hold of you, it's negative. Oftentimes it doesn't turn out well and it could cause so many people to overspend. On the other side of that, you can, you know, make comparison, I guess, positive. Like I said, if you're looking up to a mentor or a role model, but instead of comparing yourself to the items that people are buying or the trips they're going on, talk to a role model about how they got to where they are now. Maybe ask them what financial life decisions they made, what daily habits they focus on, so you could focus more on the action steps to building wealth rather than being a consumer and trying to keep up with more of the material aspects of life. There is this great book that I'm listening to right now um, through an audiobook version, and it's called The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas J. Stanley and William D. Danko, and I love it. I encourage all the listeners out there to listen to this audiobook or read the book. Um, it's definitely an older book, but it has so many great life lessons. And in this book, they chat about seven factors of a typical millionaire. It looked at seven different common denominators of people who have successfully built a wealthy life. And I want to share the first three because they really line up with this healthy habit we're talking about right now. So the first common denominator of people who successfully built their wealth that's listed in this book is that one, the people live well below their means. Number two, they allocate their time, energy, and money efficiently in ways conducive to building wealth. And number three, they believe that financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. Now that third one is so important, I'm going to say it one more time. 
They believe that financial independence is more important than displaying high social status. How many times have we put money towards something because we want to keep up with a certain level of status? I think most people have done it at least one time in their life. I know I have. I've had my own journey with money and understanding what money means to me and and what I care about when it comes to what I can do with money. And when we focus more on the status and consuming material things, it could put us in such a deep hole that we lose sight of money as a resource to utilize in our life for our goals, for our family, for stability. And so next time you are comparing yourself and you want to purchase something to fit in or to have a certain level of status or to even maybe fill a void in your life, stop for a moment. Understand that if you say yes to this purchase, what will you be saying no to? And really understand, do I want to purchase this because It's what I want to do or is it because I feel like I should do it based off expectations of me? Do I want to purchase this item because I'm truly excited about it and because I really think I'll utilize it and that I won't regret the purchase? Or am I purchasing this um, item or this service or this experience to fill a void in my life that maybe is much deeper than money? Ask yourself these questions. Give it a day or two before you make that purchase. And I think considering it, thinking about it, and finding out the why behind the purchase is so important. And no one's going to be perfect. Throughout our whole lives, we'll be faced with these decisions. But being aware of this will help you so much in the long term to try to work towards living within your means better because that's a huge pillar of financial health. All right, the next daily habit that you can consider taking when working on your financial health for the new year is doing a monthly check-in. Take a look at all of your income sources for the month. Take a look of your spending. When you look at your spending outflows, really think about what you've spent on your bills, what you've spent, whether they're fixed or variable bills. Take a look at what you spent on eating out or shopping or trips or dates or gifts. Really organize your spending. Also take a look at how much you're saving. I think this is one of the most important parts of your cash flow system Um, and we'll be talking about this a little more in a few moments but doing that monthly check-in just really keeps you on point with where you're at per month so that at the end of the year when you look at the annual numbers it's usually a little bit more organized Um, my husband Aaron and I we try to do a monthly money date and today when we were cooking dinner he said hey do you want to do a money date tomorrow and I said sure and so I know that I'll be tracking our spending spending maybe 40 minutes organizing everything so that we go over it together Doing a monthly check-in takes time um, and it does take a level of concentration to look at all your transactions and remember where that transaction went and if that was a money transfer or if you were paying off a bill. Sometimes it could be um, a little bit confusing, especially if you have a significant other or a family and there's a lot of different cards and accounts in the the full system. But that monthly check-in will help you so much. And a lot of people, um, they just don't like to look at their credit card statement. They don't like to look at their transactions because they're worried to face the fact that maybe they overspent or they spent money on something that they regretted. But doing that monthly check-in helps you overcome that fear and it helps you, you know, take that uncomfortable step to see where where you're at. And the more often that you check in on where you're at with your spending and saving, the more times that you really organize it 
will build your confidence and you'll feel less worried to check on it because as you track the spending, you see how your spending aligns with your goals. The next time you swipe your card or click buy now on Amazon, you'll think, huh, I'm going to have to track this. Do I really want to track this purchase too, especially if it's something that you really don't need or something you feel like you're just buying for the sake of it. And so it actually helps you stay very aware and conscious as you spend throughout the month. This monthly check-in personally in my financial life has made me so much more financially healthy simply because, like I said, it makes you aware of what you're spending and where you're spending your money. The last more daily task that I, I want us to talk about today before we get more into the uh, semi-annual and annual habits um, that a person who's working on their financial health can consider taking is to pay yourself first. When people say pay yourself first, they're usually saying put money away into a savings account or an investment account at the beginning of the month or twice a month. Put that money away and then whatever's left over, spend that amount of money. That's usually what people mean when they say pay yourself first. And yes, that is so important. But paying yourself first can also mean um, other aspects of investing in yourself, such as uh, investing in going back to school or maybe taking that class that you want to take to uh, further your career. Maybe paying yourself first means paying off your student loans because you did invest in yourself and now you're paying off your school loans. Maybe paying yourself first means paying down that credit card debt because you want to try to be um, high interest debt free. Maybe paying yourself first means putting money aside for that trip you want to take in 10 years. Or maybe paying yourself first is saving for your wedding. There's so many aspects of paying yourself first that isn't just about investing your money and building your emergency fund. But while we're on that note, it's important to save money for the future. What I love to talk about with young investors and the next generation investors is since you're young and you have compound interest on your side, which is interest growing on interest, whether it's in the stock market, whether it's in a high yield savings account, whatever it is, as a young person, you have compound interest on your side because you have many years of investing before you retire or maybe you have many years before you reach that um, 4 to 10 to 15 year goal. As a young person, by sacrificing some of your money today and putting it aside, you are saving yourself down the road a lot less work, a lot less sacrifice, a lot less discipline, especially as your expenses grow. Think about it. If you're 25 right now and you're setting aside money in your 401k and your Roth IRA, which are common retirement accounts, you're choosing to put money aside now versus when you're 35, let's say you didn't save money at 25 and you're 35 and you have kids, you have a family to support, life is expensive, you have less money in your budget to save, that could be stressful. Whereas if you started to put money away when you were 25, you set money aside and then maybe you have kids and you're still setting aside the same amount but less in proportion to your income, but you have that amount that you save when you're younger, it takes a lot of stress off your future self when you start saving money especially before you have kids because kids are so expensive and we'll do some podcast episodes on that in a, in a few weeks 
But as a young person, if you pay yourself first and save money now, you are helping your future self out. Maybe you'll be able to retire earlier. Maybe you'll retire at the traditional age, but be able to go on fun trips and have fun experiences. Or maybe you'll just have more stability because you never know what's going to happen when you're older. And then if we talk about the topic of an emergency fund, every client I talk to, who has reached their emergency fund goal is so much more confident in themselves because they have a cushion to fall back on if needed. And an emergency fund is not that exciting. It's money set aside for an emergency. It's liquid usually, and so it's not invested in a cool portfolio. It's one of the most boring things you could save for, but almost every client that I've helped build that emergency fund, whether they're a next generation investor or they're about to retire and they need to have that money liquid, regardless of their age, they feel so much better and feel so much more confident that they had that emergency fund set aside. So whatever you're paying yourself first for, emergency fund, retirement account, paying off student loans or credit card debt or saving for that house, pay yourself first before you spend your money because it's that balance of preparing for the future, which is saving, and living in the present, which is spending. When you pay yourself first, You are building confidence in yourself because that feeling of getting to the end of the month and you realize, wow, I didn't save anything. I spent everything. It usually doesn't feel as good as, oh, I'm so excited I put aside that $300 in my Roth IRA. I'm so happy I set aside 4% of my paycheck this month into my 401k and I still got to spend money. That makes you feel so much better because you feel like you accomplished something. And so I challenge you that that daily habit, think about how you could pay yourself first. Maybe in reality, this is really a monthly or a uh, every other week kind of habit that you take of actually paying yourself first through putting money in different accounts. But it's good to have that on your mind daily to really figure out, okay, how could I pay myself first and help my future self and my future family out before only living for the present. Now we're going to be diving into some of the annual or semi-annual financially healthy habits you could think about taking. And the first one that we'll be discussing is to look at your years when your income is lower and maybe consider a Roth IRA conversion. Now, a little disclaimer, not everyone should do a Roth IRA conversion. It's not meant for everyone's financial plan, but it is something to think about when there's years where your income is lower. Why is this? Let's say you have a year where maybe different life occurrences happen, maybe you switch jobs, maybe you are in a married filing jointly household and your spouse decided to stay at home with the family and now there's one income in the house instead of two, regardless of, of where you're at, when you convert a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, a taxable event occurs and that's tax at your ordinary income tax rate. Well, if there's years where your income is lower and you do decide to convert a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, your tax bill on that specific amount of money converted will be lower than the years when you had a higher tax bracket. That's just looking at the Roth IRA converted amount and not at the other parts of your tax bill. That's separate. Um, But 
it's important to consider this in the years your income is lower to think, hmm, is this a good year to do a Roth IRA conversion? One reason why people do conversions from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is they could pay less taxes in retirement. A lot of people choose to do this if they think they're going to be in a higher tax bracket in retirement versus today because if you convert to a Roth IRA, you're essentially paying taxes now at your lower tax bracket versus paying taxes on the money you take out of your IRA later in retirement when you may be in a higher tax bracket. So of course, before you do a Roth conversion, speak to your financial advisor or your tax preparer first to make sure it is a wise decision. But it's something to think about if your income is fluctuating in different years. So that's one financially healthy habit to be aware of and maybe consider if that works for your situation. The second one I want to discuss in the annual or semi-annual habits is to review your beneficiaries. Whether you're looking at your IRA accounts, your Roth IRA or traditional IRA, or maybe on your 401k or health savings account, your HSA at work, it's important to look at those. Take a look at any of your life insurance or disability insurance policies to see if the beneficiaries are up to date. Um, take a look at your bank accounts and see if the important information is linked to those bank accounts in case something were to happen to you. There are so many aspects of our financial lives that we focus on right now, building our wealth, growing it, but we also have to realize that if something were to happen to us, what will happen to our loved ones? And it's really important to make sure your beneficiaries are updated. This is especially true to look at these during times of marriage or having children. A lot of times what I see with young professionals is when they have children and they're in those years of building their family, sometimes they forget to add one of their children uh, as a contingent or a primary beneficiary on their accounts. So it's so important to look at those. If you have recently changed your last name because you got married, make sure that your last name is updated on your accounts and on any accounts where you're a beneficiary for someone else, doing these estate planning tasks every six months or every year is just something so important to take note of. If you keep up with it, it won't be a huge headache down the road. And it makes sure that your future uh, family and your future dependents are all taken care of if something were to happen. And next week's podcast episode, we're talking about life insurance. So if this is a topic that you want to learn more about, this estate planning, kind of taking care of your family, protecting your wealth and your family, I encourage you to listen to next week's podcast episode all about that. The next topic of the semi-annual and annual financial health habits is to review your investment accounts. Take a look at the goal for each investment account. Understand the timeline, how long you're saving for that goal. Take a look at the risk level of your investment account and see if that aligns with the portfolio of that account. If you have 20, 30 years towards retirement and you want your risk level to be aggressive growth and you want your portfolio to reflect that and you look at your investment account and it's not aggressive growth, that's something you may want to consider updating. Whereas if you're saving for a goal five years down the road and you think it should be more of a moderate type of risk level and you want your portfolio to reflect that too, and you look at your account and it's way too aggressive, you know, that's something you should keep note of. So monitoring your investment accounts, taking a look at the performance, seeing if that lines up with the goal is 
a task that not a lot of people do, but they should. And that's why my father and I have our comprehensive reviews with clients because we want to make sure that everyone is on the same page. There's nothing worse than thinking that your investments are doing something and then you check and it's very different than what you thought. So it's important to take a look at that, review your accounts because yes, returns are great. Yes, having good performance is awesome, but you really want to make sure it lines up with the goal for that account because that's really all that matters, making sure your money is working towards your goals. The next type of bucket that you should consider reviewing is your emergency fund savings. Now, the the simple way that I help people calculate how much they should have in their emergency fund is they take the list of all of their mandatory monthly expenses they need to survive, and you multiply that by either three, four, five, six, however many months you want that emergency fund to last for. The basic I give people is six, but of course, it's specific to your situation, so you may not need six months of expenses maybe you need more. But just for the sake of simple examples, I go with six, um, but that's not a recommendation. Everyone is different. Remember that. But for example, let's say you want to have six months of expenses covered in case something were to happen. Take a look to see what those emergency fund expenses are. Did you recently move apartments and your rent is higher? That'll affect how much you should have in your emergency fund. Did you recently buy a house and now you have to pay for your mortgage payment and that might be higher? And maybe now you have different house maintenance costs that you want in that emergency fund. Or now you have to pay property taxes. So especially as a homeowner, it's important to update that emergency fund monthly goal and then multiply it by that multiplier of whatever you choose. It's also important to look at the balance of what's in your emergency fund to see maybe if you use some of the money for an emergency expense, do you have to replenish that emergency fund? So that's something just really good to do every six months or once a year to make sure you're on track in that department of your financial health. The next habit I want you to consider taking is to review your subscriptions annually or semi-annually. This is also something you should do with your significant other too because I know I sign up for certain subscriptions. My husband Aaron signs up for certain subscriptions and you want to make sure that you're on the same page but also that you're not applying to subscriptions that you totally forgot about. That eats away so much in people's budgets and there's also oftentimes deals where if two people sign up for the same subscription they get a discount so make sure to review your subscriptions see what lines up for your life see what doesn't and maybe combine them if that makes more financial sense all right the last habit we'll discuss for this episode is to review your life and disability insurance coverage so do you have policies at work that your employer pays for or you pay for part of. Uh, Take a look at the coverage that you have if it's a separate policy outside of work or the policies in work. See the total amount of life and disability insurance coverage you have and take a look at your current life right now. Did you have another child? Did you buy another property? Um, Did something major happen in your life that you want to make sure you're insured for? So really look at the coverage you have on your current policies. See if that's enough for your current stage in life and maybe increase the coverage if it works best for you. Doing these habits helps you keep up with your life because if you pause on some of these habits and don't do it for decades at a time, it can really make your financial health um, poor, but it could also make your life confusing. So especially when it comes to insurance, keep that in mind because you need to protect your family and your wealth. 
Well, thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast episode. I really hope that it was insightful and it gave you some ideas of maybe some healthy habits to add into your new year, 2024. Let's make this year your most financially healthy year yet. It's my goal for you to feel confident in yourself, empowered in your level of financial health, and to really feel like you can go out and accomplish whatever you want knowing that you have a stable, financially healthy foundation to work towards all your goals in life. And I know some of these habits sounded boring and not that fun and kind of a pain in the neck to take care of, but your future self will thank you. By taking part in some of these habits, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, annually, you're staying ahead of life so that it doesn't catch up to you in a negative way. If you have any questions about building a financial plan, or if you're struggling with some of these financially healthy habits, please reach out to me. I have a link in the show notes where you could book a complimentary phone call with me and we can chat about maybe working together in your life, in your financial health plan. If you have any questions at all, you could email me, you could send me a DM on Instagram. I'm here to help you and answer any questions you have. I hope you have a great rest of your day and let's continue growing financially wealthy and healthy together. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. This material was created to provide accurate and reliable information on the subjects covered, but should not be regarded as a complete analysis of these subjects. It is not intended to provide specific legal, tax, or other professional advice. The services of an appropriate professional should be sought regarding your individual situation. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. LPL Financial and Desert Wealth Management do not provide tax or legal advice. Clients should consult with their personal tax and or legal advisors regarding their circumstances. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC, Desert Wealth Management, and LPL Financial are separate entities.